I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. We're in Lent. We are maintaining a penitential focus in Lent. We start our services every week with a confession and an absolution. Uh, very Lenten. We have um, the, uh, the readings today are um, focusing, at least in Paul, on being like Christ in a crucifixion like his, in a death like his. And so there's this very negative um, death focus sin focus that carries through Lent, and I'd like to put that in context um, with the help of today's readings. And the context, of course, is that we go through Lent fully aware that the point is Easter. We, we, we engage in a crucifixion like Christ's because of the resurrection that we all also participate in like Christ's. And so the, the message of Lent is that the two go together. You can't have a resurrection without a crucifixion. Something has to die in order for the new thing to be born. And so it really is about something new. God is doing a new thing. And that's where the reading started this morning. Do you not know that God is doing a new thing? And so at some level, Christianity is about a new thing that God is doing. Christianity is also about a new thing that God is always doing, not one new thing that God did once. It's not just that Jesus came and was resurrected and then that's it. And so God is continually doing a new thing. And I'm, I, I, I want to be careful to say I'm not glorifying change for change's sake, but at the same time, to be a Christian, to be on the road of Jesus, is to embrace precisely change. It is always to be in the process of becoming as much as it is of being. So this this entering into death and resurrection is not something we do once at our baptism or at our conversion or at our, uh, our being born again in the spirit, whatever your metaphor is, those things are all good and part of the spiritual life, but the spiritual life is a continual process of death and resurrection. And so Paul puts us into, in, in this into context for us by talking about his own journey um, as a Jew toward Christianity. His encounter with Christ caused him to radically reevaluate even the things that gave him life and purpose and meaning pre- uh, previously. And for me, I take this as an archetype of the spiritual process writ large. Uh, All of us have elements that have formed us, that have kept us uh, safe and well and healthy, and these have been natural processes in each of our lives as human beings. And I'm thinking here of um, what gets called in psychological circles as defense mechanisms. We all experience insecurity growing up. Life becomes difficult or scary, and so we we learn ways of coping. We get coping strategies, which serve us well. They keep us alive and well and healthy, Um, but at some level, they become problematic. When we, when we understand the goal of Christianity to be sanctification, to be becoming like Christ, the, the, the concept of sanctification has to do with removing all the barriers between ourselves and God. That if we're going to really be our true selves and who we were meant to be, then that there's a, there's, there are things that are preventing us from being that true self. And the only way we find our true self is by rooting ourselves in our divine nature, the, the, na- the part of us that is a child of God. And our defense mechanisms, the things that, that protect us, the habits that we got into, are all 
useful in protecting us from pain and keeping us together, but at some level they also protect us from being fully open to God's presence in our life. And so this process of becoming, this process of repentance, transformation, metanoia, is, is something that we are always engaged in. At some level we we continue to discover new elements of baggage that are getting in the way. And even if that baggage was at one time good and nourishing and helpful, at a certain point in our journey, we have to leave that baggage behind, even that which has kept us safe and well. And so we have to step beyond it. And I'm speaking very abstractly, so let me get a bit more concrete. Um, for example, um, at a certain point in our life, we we lose our naivety about other people. Um, I, I remember I had a very um, sheltered life growing up, and I remember how shocked I was that someone would actually swindle me out of money. Uh, that people would do that? Who would do that? Why, why would anyone do that? And there I was, swindled out of money. Um, and then I got a little bit cleverer and a little bit more cautious um, and of course, in the early days of the internet, as I was online and thinking this was going to bring about a new utopia, no guardians, we're all going to have pure, free communication between each other as human beings. And pretty soon the internet became the cesspool that it is today, where, you know, no, just being online opens you to scamming and phishing and having your uh, account hacked and your bank numbers taken and all the rest of it. And so to be a citizen of the internet, you develop skills and abilities to say, no, that email is fake. I'm not going to click on that link. This text that's coming in that says I can click here to claim my rebate for gas at BC is probably a scam. I'm not going to touch that one with a 10-foot pole. And I get these defenses and these things that keep me safe. They are good things. I'm not saying that you should just throw caution to the winds and, and become naive. But I am saying that the resurrection, that, that new human that, that Jesus was and that we are called to be like Jesus, is a second naivete. It is to get back to that place, which you can't get there by going backwards. You can only get there by going forwards. And so you maintain all of the defenses, but you, you stop attaching yourselves to them. So that, for example, if you're blocking yourself from trusting anybody that you meet on the street, at some point you became, become attached to your distrust, where you, you can't trust anyone anymore. And that actually blocks your access to others and to yourself. So you have to become able to be intimate with others, to drop the defenses and the barriers and trust and open yourself to risk and to harm if you're going to enter into a relationship. So this is the kind of process that I think Paul is talking about. When he talks about, if anybody has reason to boast, I have more, and he lists his Jewish credentials where he is the best of the best, um, all of that is a good thing. To be a good Jew is a great thing. It is to be in relationship with God in a nourishing and wonderful way. And yet for Paul, it had become an obstacle. And it had become something that prevented him from recognizing that God had done a new thing in Jesus and in Jesus' followers. And when that realization hit him, he said, I have to count it as rubbish. And I said I wasn't going to say this, but I'm totally going there. That word rubbish is a mistranslation. <laughs> it is street Greek for feces. There is a better English word than rubbish that is a more accurate translation. 
And until you hear Paul in the original Greek, you don't really hear how Paul values everything that was so important to him before. All that made him who he was, all of his pride and his identity and his righteousness and everything that made him have a sense of self-worth and value, he counts as street Greek for feces. He has set it behind him, literally. Um, and, And he has embraced being known by Christ, being in Christ, and having and being claimed by Christ because Christ is for Paul, the way to engage in that process of transformation and renewal that opens him to God's true presence in his life. So Lent, repentance, all this talk about death and dying is just recognizing those things that are in the way of that trust and openness that we are called to that holds the key to us being who we were meant to be. I, I cannot be in a relationship with you if I don't trust you. I mean, never mind in my intimate relationships and family relationships, even in a business relationship, I need to trust you a certain degree if we're going to do business together. And so trust is the basis of human relationship. And if I cannot trust, I cannot be in relationship. And so at some level, my distrust has to die if a true relationship is to be born. So... The other, the other nuance to Paul's thought in today's reading is that he says at the end of, uh, of, of the, the bit today that not that I say I've achieved this. It's a goal that's always ahead of us. And so we're, we're never done. You know, that's it. I've converted. I've become a Christian. I'm done. Uh, because the moment we do that, we turn it into precisely that thing that Paul is trying to get away from. I'm a Christian and you're not. I'm saved and you're not. I'm slain in the spirit and you're not. And so you've just turned it into another obstacle to being open to what God is doing and what God is calling us to, which always has something to do with love. And if we are going to be the the new creation, the humans of love that we are called to be, we always have to be, we we always have to recognize that that true naivete, that true embeddedness in love is always in front of us. So we press on towards it. That is the essential nature of the Christian journey. It's always ahead of us. It's always a putting something to death and rising to new life. So I've been talking about the personal spiritual journey and how it's always a journey of transformation. There is always some baggage that we are hauling with us that's getting in the way. We are always called to seek it out, name it, and abandon it. Let it go. It'll come with us still, but it will at some level not have the control over us that it tends to exercise. That is the goal. It's still part of us, but it no longer defines us. This is also true of us corporately as a community, as a society. And uh, you're doubtless aware of the Pope's apology to Canadian indigenous peoples uh, this week. Uh, The Anglican Church famously did that some years back. Um, That is a corporate example of naming and, uh, and declaring what has kept us from the fullness of God's presence in our community and stepping away from it and putting it in the past. And it again, it's not done. Just like becoming a Christian is not the end of your Christian journey, you then have to be a Christian. You have to engage in the constant process of renewal and transformation. So the church is not done with healing and reconciliation. And this is not, this is not just white guilt. 
this is a recognition that it's an ongoing process and that that, that true relationship of love and compassion that, that should be the hallmark of every relation between every human being, regardless of race, ethnicity, culture, tribe, religion, um, that's still in front of us and we always have work to do. It's also true of us as we figure out who we're going to be as a congregation post-pandemic or still in pandemic. Um, This has been a weird time and it's going to get weirder. Um, As mask mandates go, we're going to be trying to figure out what's safe and who's vulnerable and who do we need to protect. And It's going to be hard. It's just going to be hard. Um, And we as a church... Uh, I feel it, you feel it, we want to go back to the way it was. We want those things which sustained us and were part of us and made us who we were. And yet in the constant change of the world in which we live, some of those things may not be possible or may even be an impediment. And I'm not making a political pitch to change the church into the way I like it. That's not the point here. The, The point is I'm just really, really aware that the situation is different and if we are really committed to that way of death and resurrection we have to see that in our own future as a community and be open to what God is calling us to and what things which have nourished us in the past are now holding us back I don't know what the answers are I just know those are the right questions to ask and so I think it, it falls to all of us as members of this church, as Anglicans, as Christians, as as Canadians, to be asking those questions about about where we go from here. And that that can be with, um, you can go geopolitical as well. Where do we go from here now that Russia and the United States have a brand new relationship, which is kind of different than it was about a month and a half ago? Um, and and what what assumptions do we have that have been holding us back and that we have to move into something new? So, so all this talk about God is doing a new thing. We are leaving the past behind. We are embracing something new in the future. It's always a process of transformation. There is a conservatism that I want to maintain in all of this because... In this transformation, there is always an orientation that we have that is the same yesterday and today and forever, and that is Jesus Christ. That, that when, when we are looking at the questions of change and what needs to go and what we need to embrace, the guide is always Jesus Christ and who Jesus was, what he stood for, what he did, what he cared about. That is fundamentally the guide. And so if if it is a direction that increases love and compassion and forgiveness, it's like Christ, it's probably the right thing. If it's something that increases our anxiety and pride and attachments to the wrong things, it's probably not of Christ. And so in this, this paradoxical place is where we always find ourselves if we're going to be faithful Christians. We are always going to be changing but we are always going to be changing towards Christ. And if that is our guide, then our orientation would be correct. And as we strain for the prize, which is always ahead of us, we're at least pulling in the right direction. I believe we do this quite well as a congregation. We're not perfect. We blow it more often than not. Um, But for all of that, we are in it. And I feel like we can do this together. And I am very grateful 
to be a part of this congregation where we can do this together. I don't have all the answers, neither do you, but with God's help and with an attitude of openness to what God might be doing, we can discover it as the people of God in this place. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.